0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come for You in the name of Jesus. Lord, thanking You. Lord, we, we thank You for the grace that Jordan was just singing about. Truly amazing. While we are sinners, rebels, deserving of Your wrath, You sent your Son to die, to pay for our sins, to bring us into fellowship with you, and all, uh, though we don't deserve it. It's true, as the song says, we were once blind, and now because of your grace, see we pray, Lord, as we consider this text tonight, that you open our eyes to the truth contained here. Because we are still, Lord, dependent upon your grace for every, every step that we, uh, that we take in sanctification. We need your truth. We need your enabling power. We ask You to grant it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've mentioned a few times that um, Paul now, since since the first verse of chapter 7, is dealing with issues that were raised by the Corinthian church in a letter that they sent to him. And again, that's in 1 Corinthians 7.1. It says, now concerning the matters... "...about which you wrote." And then he begins to go through them. So, in chapter 8, verse 1, we, we have another, another issue that apparently they raised in the letter that they sent to Paul. Um, and that is concerning, uh, well, a couple of things really. I'm going I'm to say it this way. Um, it, you're going to see talk here about eating food uh, offered to idols... And there is a, a participation going on here um, in the idolatrous worship. And I think that's really the, the heart of the issue. I'll try to, try to make that uh, more clear as we go. But this is going to be another issue, okay, that may... Uh, the issue itself is foreign to us. Uh, nobody, nobody here, there's no, there's no uh, prominent pagan temples that I know of anyway, um, in our area where they offer sacrifices and, and have the kind of um, um, orgies is what was going on here in these pagan uh, temples, have those kinds of things, uh, Christians eating meat offered to idols. Um, so anyway, you, you read this and you may think, you may think to yourself, well, here, here we are again, here's something else that doesn't seem like it pertains to me. So, I want to talk about what Paul is dealing with and, and, and for us, extract from that the, the principles um, of truth that are, that are applicable across the board. All right? and, and the main one uh, is, is going to be love here. Christians are, are to be motivated, moved by, that is moved to action, operate in, love. Love. I don't, I don't know how many times I've heard this little saying, and it's a lot, there's a lot of truth to it. And I, even though I'm not real big on um, little sayings, um, uh, <laughs> this one has, has, uh, has stuck with me. Uh, and a lot of times you hear this said to pastors and, you know, men in the ministry, um, they don't care, talking about the people, they don't care about how much you know, they want to know how much you care. All right. Well, again, that's just kind of a little cliche, but, but there's a lot of truth there. And it's, and it's along the lines of what we're going to be talking about here. But it's going to be applicable to not just to pastors and ministers, but to, to every Christian. Every Christian possesses some amount of knowledge. We know the truth now to to varying degrees, I mean obviously, because some some Christians have been walking with the Lord and studying God's word for decades, and other Christians are you know maybe you were saved yesterday or last week or something so so you've you've got a a different degree of knowledge, but you know certain things well um, what and and, and some things rightly so, but Paul's going to talk about here. Um, it, it's not so much knowledge that builds up. It's especially the kind of knowledge the Corinthians are claiming, but it's, it's love that builds up. And, and that's, that's going to be a thing that we're, we're going to see more of, obviously, when we get to uh, chapter 13, right? The great love chapter, because that's, that's uh, a key element that is lacking here in the Corinthian church. And, you, and even though we haven't got to chapter 13 yet and read the description there of love, we, we see Paul's uh, and, and Paul's uh, remedy for them. We see the lack of it all the way through here in these different issues that Paul is having to deal with. So let me read. I'm going to read the whole chapter here. It's only 13 verses. And then we'll come back and talk about it. So, so watch, because like I say, this, this is an issue, you know, visiting... Um, Temples, pagan temples and eating meat offered to idols. This is an issue that you may think, well, you know, I've never been exposed to this. I've never done this. What, what, does this, what relevance does this have for me today? So, so watch for uh, relevance here, and then we'll come back and, and talk about it. Verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possesses knowledge. This knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. But some, through former associations with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Okay. Um, Again, love is going to be a key issue here. Paul is pointing out that they are are not walking in love towards their brethren, specifically the weaker um, brothers here. They are exercising rights, what they perceive to be rights according to knowledge, what, what they perceive to be knowledge uh, that they have that justifies them in these activities um, that they consider to be right. Specifically, what, what it seems to be that they're doing here is attending um, idolatrous feasts. This was common um, in, in the uh, Roman Empire at this time. And as I mentioned earlier, these, these feasts that would take place, in, in uh, these various cultic um, temples, um, also included um, gross immorality, uh, you know, along, along with the food, along with the feast, sexual immorality. And uh, it seems that some of the Corinthians were, were participating in these things. Now, I'm pointing that out because I don't want you to think the, that the issue here is merely eating meat, that is offered to idols and, and we'll, we'll be talking more about that uh, as we get when we get to chapter 10 as well where Paul essentially essentially says that that's fine as long as nobody's hurt by it um, he says in fact if you buy meat in the out in the marketplace some of that may have been meat that was offered to idols Paul Paul says you know you don't ask questions for conscience sake you just you just eat it you just consume it. If you go to somebody's house and they serve you meat, you don't ask questions for conscious sake. You just consume it. Because it's, the thing itself, eating the meat offered to the idols, is, is, no, uh, is no sin. But if doing that causes somebody to stumble, now that's what he's concerned with here. And by the way, this is not just, just the idea of offending somebody, like upsetting them. what he's talking about is causing them to fall, causing them to to stumble, destroying them. This is the terminology that he uses here. Um, You cause the brother who has a weaker conscience to uh, stumble in the sense of falling. He's he's not just offended by what you do. No, in fact, the problem is he engages in it himself when his conscience doesn't permit it. So the idea is he sees you do something. In this case, what they're doing is participating in in, uh, idolatrous uh, worship practices at pagan temples. And this is another one of those things. You know, as I read through here and again and read these things, you think, how is this possible for believers, for people who have come to know the grace of God, who 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 know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well. if, if we were honest, I mean, we, we could um, point at several things in our own lives and ask the same question, right? How is this possible? <laughs> I mean, I can think of a lot of things about myself. How is this possible that a believer can still um, think that way or do such a thing or whatever? Uh, but it is, you know, you read through here about the sexual immorality. Um, the divisions and the rejection of Paul's ministry and all these different things, and you think, my my word, you know, we, we wouldn't even consider these people a church, right? We'd be we'd be writing a letter to them, all right, and it'd be saying, repent, you know, repent and come to know the Lord Jesus. And but that's not what Paul's doing, <laughs> but he is addressing the issues. All right, so let's go back to the beginning of the chapter here. Uh, so when he says now concerning food offered to idols, um, he's he's I think, again, he's talking about not just eating the meat, but participating in, in the, uh, the, the ritualistic um, um, feast. He expounds on that more in chapter 10. And that's, that's one reason I'm suggesting that here. Not just limited to what he says here. Um, so he says, and again, in uh, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1, all of us possess knowledge. Now, um, That again, I think is a a quotation. So Paul is is citing here something that uh, uh, another saying that is common to the Corinthians. All of us possess knowledge. They're they're boasting in their knowledge. This is another manifestation of their of their false spirituality, and they're justifying certain things that they are doing. um, You know, thinking themselves spiritual. All of us possess knowledge. Now, Paul says in response, this knowledge, quote-unquote, what you call knowledge, puffs up, but love builds up. Again, that's the main issue. Paul's saying this is the problem with it. Your knowledge, what you're calling knowledge, is not edifying anybody. It's not building up brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what it does do, Paul says, is make you arrogant. This knowledge that you claim and that you use to justify um, some of your old behavior, and, and uh, again, while, the, while the, the temple feast and all the immorality that goes along with it is, is maybe foreign to us, this was their way of life. So, here's one way that you know, we might relate it to our present situation." What they're doing is going back and engaging in behavior that they should have left behind when they came to know Christ. So, you, you may not be going to pagan temples, but here's a question for you and me. What kind of behavior are we engaging in that really should be part of the past? It belongs to the past. And Paul, once again, says... You're arrogant in these matters, just like they were with the, uh, the man con- committing incest. And that's what this kind of knowledge does. It puffs up. But love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, he says, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has, has uh, no real existence. Again, um, if you're looking at an ESV, you'll notice that's in quotations again. I think Paul is citing uh, what they claim. We know that an idol has no existence. Now, that's the knowledge that, that he's referring to in verse 1, that the Corinthians are referring to. We all possess knowledge. We know we know that an idol is nothing all these all these pagan gods out there they're nothing there's nothing to them they're imaginary, and they're saying we understand that well, that's true, isn't it <laughs> there there's only one God, there's no other God but one well, let's go on Paul says. Um, again in verse 4, an idol has no real existence, quoting the Corinthians, and there is no God but one. So they know that and they understand that and they proclaim that. But, Paul says in verse 5, for although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things for whom we exist, one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. All right. so Paul says, you know, you have knowledge, there's one God. That's correct. Paul says, for us, there is one God from whom are all things, one real Creator from whom we all come. And he's kind of echoing, I think, again here, the the concept that we're not our own. He's already pointed this out a couple of times. You're bought with a price. He's saying you're right. There's one God from whom all things are, uh, or all things come to be, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things and through whom are through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Now, good so far. They claim that knowledge. Paul says yes, it's correct. Almost, although he does say, your, quote, knowledge is making you arrogant. It's puffing you up. And it's not edifying the body. Now, why is that? Well, this is what he begins to work out here in verse 7. However, he says, not all possess this knowledge. Not all possess this knowledge. Now, they had proclaimed in verse 1, all of us possess knowledge. There's one God. All these pagan gods are nothing. They're false gods. Paul says, basically, yes, that's correct. Nevertheless, not everybody really possesses this knowledge. Not everybody. I mean, they they may have it intellectually. Intellectually. They, they may be saying it. There's one true God. The idols are nothing. But they don't know it experientially. They don't know it fully. They, don't, they, don't really, they know it, but they don't know it. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Now, I'm assuming here, see, he's, he's talking about some within the church. So, uh, this, you know, it, it, it just keeps getting more shocking because you think, okay, there are some supposedly genuine Christians, there are some Christians here who profess that there's one God, there's no other God but the one God, the idols are nothing, yet when they go to these temple feasts, They consume the meat there that is sacrificed to these false gods, these pagan idols. They consume that meat as though they are really um, eating it unto that god. That's kind of what we would call a superstitious, a superstition, a superstitious type um, act. So while while they may be saying the right thing, we believe there's one God and there's nothing to this idol business. They actually think that they're doing something, gaining something when they eat the meat of the sacrifices to these pagan gods. That is, they eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. They don't have right understanding and they are defiled by their action. Now, that's what Paul is talking about when when he says that you're making... Those of you who do understand better, you're, you're making them stumble by leading them into this. Your conscience may not be defiled, but if by your action their conscience is defiled, Paul is saying you're, you're not walking in love. You're, the whole thing, your, your whole action, the activity is not edifying. It's not building up. It's destroying brothers, weaker brothers. And then Paul says in verse 8, food will not commend us to God. And That's, that's what they're thinking. Th- th- those with the weak conscience. And then all of the pagans out there who are participating in these things, that's what they're thinking. If we eat this meat that is offered to the idols, it actually commends us to God it gains us favor with the God. And Paul says food food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it and no better off if we do. So again it's it's you know we might say this is this is superstition. Silly superstition in the words of Stevie Wonder, right? Are very superstitious whatever it is. This is superstition. This doesn't really commend you to God. Well, we know that, but just in case. (laughs) That's kind of of the attitude. Boy, I I don't know anybody going to pagan temples, but I I do see similar things and superstitions. And it's amazing sometimes. So... Again, here Paul lays out the truth. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But, take care that this right of yours... Now, what's he talking about? These people that claim this knowledge are saying that they have this right. We have the right. We are free to go into the idol temple partake of the meat of the sacrifice without defiling ourselves because after all Christ died for us he paid for our sins we've been set free in Christ the idol is nothing there is in reality there's no other god so so we're free to do this we have this right They, they allow this based upon their liberty in Christ. And Paul says, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Again, he's referring to those who don't fully understand the distinction. They are still participating in those things, thinking that they are somehow commending themselves to God through doing it. And he says, if you, though you may know better, but if you are seen participating in these feasts, eating meat offered to idols, then they are going to look at you and think, well, this is definitely okay. You know, they know that you claim to be a Christian. And there you are doing it. And so they think, well, this this must be okay. And so they do it with the uh um, Imperfect knowledge that they have and defile their own weak conscience. And Paul says, you destroy them. So he says, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge... This weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. So Paul says, "Your knowledge is, is what you claim as knowledge is causing you to be arrogant. You're not concerned about your your weaker brothers, our brothers and sisters, and you're causing them to stumble." And you're, you're claiming that as a right. So, it's kind of like, well, you know, um, my conscience is clear and I have the right and the liberty to do this. And if they're weak, you know, that's their problem. I mean, I can't help that. And Paul's saying, no, that's not love. That's not love. It's not knowledge that should be motivating our actions, and our behavior, love should be motivating our behavior. We're obligated to walk in love. We're obligated to do what is edifying. Knowledge puffs up. This kind of knowledge, Paul says, puffs up, but love builds up. And then in verse 12, he says, "...Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience..." And notice he does put responsibility on the, the stronger brothers here. He doesn't say, well, you know, the, 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 it's too bad that the weak ones don't understand better. That's their problem. No, he says, you are wounding their conscience. And in doing so, you sin against Christ. So what he's saying is you're exercising this liberty that you claim at the expense of other brothers and sisters in Christ is actually an offense to God. Your insistence to hold on to certain things from the past because you think that now because you know the truth, you're set at liberty to do them without condemnation. actually becomes an offense itself against Christ because in the process you're causing weaker Christians to stumble. And then Paul gives his own principle here in verse 13 for his own life. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Now, now why? Because he's committed to Edifying. He's committed to building up and not not destroying, not tearing down. He's not committed to selfishness. He's motivated by love for the edification of the edification of the body. Um, I want to um, consider one, at least one other passage here before we uh, just to kind of tie this together. Verses, verse six is also important. i I'm to let me, let me go. Let me go for uh, over to chapter ten real quickly here. Uh, Paul's discussing the same issue here, and, and I just want us to see this. We're obviously, uh, Lord willing, as we move along, we'll come back to this. But I just want to see it. Just want us to see it tonight in light of everything we just we just looked at. Chapter ten, verse one. Now, Paul's laying out a warning to, to these Christians who insist upon their own way and who insist in um, walking in arrogance and selfishness rather than, um, rather than being motivated uh, by, by, uh, by love and the edification of brothers and sisters in Christ. He's issuing a warning. Don't forget about the examples we have of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Now, he says in verse 6, now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. You hear what he's saying? These things in the Old Testament are examples for us. We we do get um, moral lessons, okay, from from the stories of the Old Testament. There 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 are. Uh, But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, and here he's referring to the Lord's Supper. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That the food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons And not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He now that is more on the same issue that he's dealing with in verse 8. And you see what he's saying. This is kind of like when you get to the end of the, book, end of the book of Joshua. And Joshua stands before the people and says to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Paul is saying you you've got a past and you've got a present. And you're getting the two confused. That that is, if you're if you're truly a Christian, you've got a past and you've got a present. And you're still trying to live elements of the past rather than putting them behind you. You can't drink of the Lord's cup. And the cup of demons. That is, he's saying you can't participate in light and in darkness. It's an either-or proposition. It's one, one or the other. You serve the Lord, the Creator, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And that is why we're here, Right? And again, it's, it's, it's a shame that Paul would have to mind Christians and have to remind us, but we have to be reminded. This is, this is usually where I try to, you know, if I'm speaking with somebody initially about the gospel, this is where, where I try to go with them. You know, we're, you, you, belong, you belong to God. You may not believe in God. You may not care about God. You may not, you, you know, you don't know God, but you belong to Him. You were created by Him and for Him. All things were created by Him and for Him. And all things created through Jesus Christ. So it's one or the other. And they're trying to mix the two. Well, we understand that the idols are nothing, and so um, you know, they justify their behavior. And it's a call to make, to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Or as he says in, in chapter 10, um, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith or not. The motivation for, for Christians, we, we've said it a lot of times, right? Number one is, is the glory of God and the spiritual welfare of others. And neither is being accomplished here. That's what, what Paul is saying. What you're engaging in, what you're mixing yourself up in is is destroying rather than building up. The motivation for the Christian is is love, is love. so so he's calling them to to, to engage in um, behavior that edifies to have the best interest of their brothers and sisters at heart, and to seek the glory of God in all things. For us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, that's who we belong to, for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things. He's the agent of creation and through whom we exist. So, there's the question for us for our motivation. Are we acting out of love or out of selfishness? Are we allowing things in our life that cause others to stumble in the name of uh, Christian liberty, for example? Or just pleasure-seeking? Knowledge puss up. Love builds up. Paul's saying... Love. Seek to love. Pursue love. Act in love. Would you stand? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation, which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.